Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 427 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is our short topics episode. And we're glad to have you with us tonight on, did I already say it was the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet? I don't think I did. I'm glad I'm going to say it again, if I did. If I didn't, you just heard it once. Well, we're off to a rip-roaring start, so I guess we should just go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So anyway, welcome in to, yes, Short Topics. Short Topics, where we talk about upcoming events and special events and contests and all kinds no, of things like that. That's the weekender. Come uh, on. See, <sighs> this is what happens when we take a few weeks off. <laughs> we get it, all messed up. It's just a big dumpster fire all the time. It's it, all it right. <laughs> uh, we need to take less time off. That, that must be the thing. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I think that's probably true. All right. So anyway, yeah, short topics where we talk about amateur radio. We talk about open source. We blend the two together in the Linux and the Hamshack segment a little bit further down the uh, the log here, the Etherpad, later on in the show. And then we wrap up with, we do do the social media roundup, right? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's, good. that's the one. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I'm glad that's where we're at. So, <laughs> and if you're listening to this, when this comes out, it's on a Monday. So you should be sympathetic. <laughs> but anyway, the first thing we usually do, if there is one, is hit our lead topic. And Bill is going to address our lead topic for the night. And that lead topic is that um, we, we didn't have something happen that was supposed to happen. And I don't know if this is going to be like a rant or what. But, uh, Bill, what do you have to say? <laughs> well, uh, what we're talking about, of course, is the QSO Today Virtual Ham Radio Expo talk that we had planned and scheduled and was basically the last episode we announced it and promoted it uh, because we had a date and a time that was on their website. But uh, lo and behold, when we showed up, the uh, it wasn't that date and time. <laughs> when we got on there, our talk was scheduled inside of the VFairs app for Sunday at 10 o'clock instead of, or whatever, Whatever time, pick your time zone. Doesn't matter. It'll be ten o'clock on one of the time zones, um, and instead of Saturday, which was on all the public-facing websites uh, that we were using as our basis of information and what we were actually sent an email via the whole whole uh, operation leading up to the live event. So uh, I'll give you a little background. I did uh, on Thursday when they sent out all the Zoom links. Uh, for the live talks, because ours was just going to be a live Q&A. We were going to have a brief talk, and then we were basically just going to open it up like we, we've done in the past, and that seems to always work really well because we f answer a lot of questions and, and all that good stuff. 
when I logged in on Thursday to test out everything I had set up for Zoom, I had noticed that our call was scheduled for Sunday. And I had mentioned it to Eric and the staff that he had coordinated and all that. And uh, they said, oh, that that's wrong. That's wrong. We'll fix that. We'll fix that. And I was like, okay, well, no problem. No problem. We're, we're all set then. Everything connects fine and everything else. So we show up Saturday morning, <laughs> all bright and early, all getting ready to, to be, uh, you know, got our liquor and everything else kind of too early to be drinking on a Saturday morning. But, hey, we decided we're all in for this. Um, so we get on there and uh, everybody starts sending us messages that, hey, you're not on the schedule for today. And in fact, uh, um, was it um, Sterling came in here at N0SSC, right? He came in and said, yeah, you guys are on the schedule for tomorrow. And I was like, okay. We connected, and of course, nobody joined the call because nobody had a link on the website to actually join the call, and it was grayed out for the tomorrow's or the Sunday's date. <laughs> so we start making contact instantly with uh, support and Eric, and uh, we're telling them, "Hey, you know, something's wrong here. Uh, the, the website says Sun. You know, the the VFairs platform says Sunday. The Zoom call seems to think it's Sunday as well. Still." Uh, what's up? And, you know, we're like, well, well, we can come back tomorrow. And <laughs> which we didn't really want to, but we're like, okay, we'll come back tomorrow. Um, but they said, no, 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 we'll, we'll fix it right now. So they, they fixed the zoom call and to that time, 10 o'clock, which of course still nobody can join. So we're not going to do anything. Cause it's like the whole point of the call is to have a live audience and talk to you and get feedback. And that's how we were going to build the, build the whole thing. So, uh, so yeah, needless to say, they kind of dropped the ball. We sent some emails back and forth throughout the Saturday. And basically, uh, the last comment that was, uh, sent between all of us was the fact that, um, well, this is why we, we don't do live, live, uh, you know, recordings. We just do hybrid stuff. And, uh, uh, Basically, I responded back that that was quite dismissive and, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Um, <laughs> don't don't call us again. <laughs> and then uh, at some point later on, I think it was either very late at that Saturday night or Sunday morning. Uh, they said, well, you know, we can we can squeeze you in some other time during the afternoon or something like that on Sunday. And I'm like, it's not on the schedule. It's not what we've already done. I've got plans for the afternoon you know, we're, we're done. So basically we never recorded anything except for there was probably what, a 15 minute call that we were all in where we were like, uh, using some choice words yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of how, um, how, uh, how much of a Charlie Foxtrot things were. So, and apparently we weren't the only ones that were affected by this specifically, but again, you know, we were one of like a handful that were actually doing just straight live content. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, we probably will not attend any future QSO Today radio show programs, um, just or the uh, live expos or whatever. A, you know, we've kind of had problems every single time, and I'm just, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad about Eric. I think, you know, under the stress of the day, probably that was his best response. But, um, you know, dude, this is the third time. If you don't have it down by now, 
you, you probably shouldn't be doing this. It's definitely seems to be out of his wheelhouse for a company that presumably handles events. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm tapping out on that. That's all I have to say. That's about as much a rant I'm going to go on. Well, I think that's perfectly reasonable. And yeah, I'm kind of with you unless, you know, something major changes and, you know, as far as the platform or as far as the uh, attention to detail and something like that. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, the the uh, fact that the public facing information did not match the actual event is just, you know, (laughs) it just boggles the mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You take one and you put it in the other and uh, yeah. Well, and the thing of it is the only thing we get out of all of this is any kind of publicity we might generate from our talk. So, you know, if we can't do a talk, (laughs) there's really no point in it. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we already decided to opt out of the booth this time because it just really wasn't that tremendous amount of value uh, doing the booth, and especially last time, the the platform last time really kind of sucked. I think we had yeah, like, one kinda, visitor. Kind of blue, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, same thing with the, the K2BSA booth. You know, I didn't do one again this time just because it's just – it's just not worth it really for the t- type of discussions and conversations that we need to have. Um, it's just not quite the right, right um, event uh, format for those, those, those kinds of talks and open discussions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been, you know, saying it all along anyway, that it's just like, yeah, if you're going to do these, do like maybe once a year, one day, I saw many comments and I even was, you know, poo-pooing on them about, you know, oh, it's, you know, studs don't have two days of my time and, you know, all these negative Nancys and stuff like that. And I, I kind of agree. It's like, I just don't have time to do, you know, all weekend if I'm not, you know, physically there. Cause if I'm at home, I got stuff to do. I can't sit here in front of my computer all day and pretend that, you know, that's something different than a normal work day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's probably all we need to say about that. Let's get on to some more interesting stuff. So uh, for those of you who are expecting a, a talk as an episode coming out of that, obviously that will never happen. And, uh, you know, barring some, you know, massive <laughs> change in the future, uh, it will never happen. So, but anyway, let's go ahead and move on. So normally on these shows, after we get done with our, you know, sp- lead segment, i.e. Rant Fest, <laughs> <laughs> we we hit our second segment, which is amateur radio. And the first story we have for tonight is the secret storm approaching CW contesting. Frank Howell, K4FMH, writes, The secret storm has been one of my go-to metaphors for periods of rapid change. This is where social institutions are altered because of changing demographics among the individuals who participate in the organizations making up the institution itself. This is certainly one of those times in amateur radio. A demographic storm is approaching CW contesting in the ARRL sweepstakes contests. It may be a rapid change in all CW and phone contests. Those in power in the institution don't see the coming storm of demography because it's slow acting until it's not. And more immediate fish are there to fry. One can see secret storms in various times and places. Some get attention, others do not. But this storm is largely secret for at least two reasons. Until this path-breaking study of the best available data, no one has reported on the generational patterns of major contest participation. Many hams have speculated on it, but there has been no systematic empirical data until now. 
Another is that those who are the most successful in today's contest formats, as well as those who govern them, tend to take a blind eye towards anything negative or indicative of change to the only positive contesting spoken here ideology. Read the relevant amateur radio magazines objectively for the evidence, but the facts describing this demographic storm are undeniable. That now, of course, from, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that came from Frank K for FMH. Uh, there's a, that, there's a lot of verbiage here, and he talks a lot about a, a storm and a change and the horizons and everything going topsy turvy. But he doesn't actually say what's going to yeah, happen. Well, the article is <laughs> tremendously long and verbose, and I kind of just I wanted to bring in the essence of of his beginning argument, um, because like and really to look and understand the data, he has some infographics in that particular blog post that he shared, which also refers basically, it's a blog post about a research article that he and another author put together. And uh, basically one of the infographics shows the, they got the age, just the birth age of the people that turned in logs and they tracked it over the last uh, 20 years, I believe. Yeah. From 2000 to, to, to 2020, basically. And uh, it shows a very uh, interesting age shift, and it's basically the same hams <laughs> participating in those contests. They're just getting older. So if you can imagine a histogram of data uh, where in 2000, it starts over on the left side of the graph in the lower ages, and then in 2020, they're 20 years older. <laughs> so you can kind of get the gist of uh of what he's trying to convey in his story although this particular blog post and probably like the research article definitely needed a tldr very very certainly at the top <laughs> to convey the message um I, I will give frank one piece of advice don't use italicies all over a blog post like you did <laughs> <laughs> I had to remove all of like, like he italicized words all over the place. <laughs> it's really hard to read, but uh, the link is in the show notes. It's a, uh, it's interesting data. If you just look at the data and ignore most of the verbiage around the data. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Frank uh, put together some, a nice study here that basically shows that, you know, the, the people that are operating in these normal or, you know, I guess, I guess be the, Older modes, single sideband and CW, are virtually the same plot of people. And uh, that age group is getting older and older, which means that participation, in theory, is going to probably fall out somewhere when like people start dying that participate in these because others are probably doing other contests, like maybe VHF contests or maybe, you know, ft8 contest <laughs> or something like that uh considering that cw and sideband have uh taken obviously a very small portion of the uh traffic on amateur radio these days according to club log um yeah it kind of you can put all the, the pieces together and kind of see the people that uh are definitely uh using the older or not older modes i guess i don't know what you want to call them they're not old modes i guess <laughs> <laughs> uh you know right. more legacy modes let's just call them legacy modes right so yeah anyway well that is kind of interesting and this is this was specific to cw right if i remember what i think that's what he looked at but he did mention the single sideband contest as well i think the data was from the cw contest but he was talking about sweepstakes in general uh, yeah i can't imagine places phone falling off quite as quickly as cw but i can definitely see i can definitely see an edge to CW participation, 
So I guess we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, we'll all be doing FT8 or whatever the next new thing is anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next on the list, we have another story from the ARRL or about the ARRL. And uh, Bill, I guess you can go ahead and read this one. Sure. Yeah, the ARRL, this came out today. Uh, the ARRL board establishes program to cover initial FCC license fee for young applicants. The ARRL board of directors has formally endorsed a proposed program calling the ARRL to cover the $35 application fee for licensed candidates younger than 18 years old. The FCC is not expected to implement the $35 application fee schedule until sometime in 2022. The board approved the Youth Licensing Grant Program at its July meeting in Hartford, Connecticut. The program concept, first raised at the board's annual meeting in January, was reviewed by an ad hoc committee, which expanded the scope of the original motion by the ARRL Southern Southeastern Division Director Mickey Baker, N4MB. Uh, goals of the program include expanding the reservoir of trained operators, technicians, and electronics experts within the amateur radio community and removing a financial obstacle to young people who wish to acquire an amateur radio license as a means of encouraging potential careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Under the program, the ARRL would cover the one-time $35 application fee for each qualified candidate who passes one or more Amateur radio exams taken on the same day at a single examination session. Tests would have to be administered by a volunteer examiner team working under the auspices of the ARRL volunteer examiner examiner coordinator. Uh, qualified candidates would also pay a reduced exam session fee of $5 to the ARRL VEC. And that comes to us straight from the ARRL. All right, cool. Nice to see that they're taking a little bit of proactive action here to make sure that the Utes stay on the air, or at least uh, stay interested, even though I really don't see $35 as a barrier to entry, even for a young person. But, you know, all you have to do is say, uh, hey, Dad, can I have $35? Yeah, that's not what they already do. Right? Yeah, right. And they'll be happy to know that the $35 is not going for, you know, hookers and blow. So they should probably <laughs> just pony up, right? So, all right. Anyway, yes, we've talked about that story before, or at least uh, mentioned the potential for a grant program. So now it's a thing. All right. So moving on from amateur radio to open source, the first thing we have is Election Day Linux Desktop Contest. Michael Dominic is happy to announce that the Mad Botter Incorporated is once again hosting an open-source software development contest for U.S. students. The prompt for this contest is Civics Broadly. Civics, comma, broadly. <laughs> Submissions can be anything to do with civics education, fighting disinformation, or providing access to local government resources. The big difference this time is that we will be having three winners rather than just one. Winners will be announced on Election Day, November 2nd, 2021. The winners will get a brand new System76 Thelio, a Linux-powered engineering workstation. So here's some deets. No purchases required to enter. Your solution must be posted to a publicly accessible GitHub repo with the appropriate license included. You must be a U.S. high school or middle school student. If you are below the age of 18, you must provide written parental consent to have your submission considered. This can be done via email. In the event that you, okay, so how many forgeries? Predictions now. <laughs> Be coding for my daughter here. <laughs> yeah. 
In the event that you win, the Mad Botter Incorporated is granted the right to post a picture of you in the winning announcement and other ap- applicable venues. If you are below the age of 18, your parent or guardian also provides permission for this by consenting to your entering the contest. The winning entries will be the one that shows the most practical potential and creativity will be selected by the Mad Botter team. All submissions should be sent to sales at themadbotter.com and include a brief bio, explanation of the solution, and a link to the GitHub repo. Submissions will be accepted until October 15th, 2021. Michael Dominic, can't wait to see what you all come up with. For any questions, please follow me, whoever me is. Michael Dominic. Michael Dominic, okay. <laughs> uh, on Twitter or email me, Michael Dominic. He'll be happy to respond. And this came from the Mad Botter Incorporated Coder Radio. Yeah, he does the Coder Radio thing over on Jupiter Broadcasting. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I, have I a- just thought it was really cool. I just listened to the show where he announced it um, today. Yeah, I think it was today or yesterday. I can't remember. <laughs> that's cool. like, oh, that's kind of cool. Listen yeah. to some more Jupiter Broadcasting stuff. It's been a long time since I've been over there. Basically, when Lunduke left, I stopped listening. Yeah, I stopped listening when they went to uh, when they went in, under Linux uh, Linux Academy when they bought them, basically. Uh huh. And uh, so he just recently uh, got basically sev- severed it back. So it's back to his own little company now. So Jupiter Broadcasting is back to being just Jupiter and Chris. So, so yeah, I, uh-huh. I like the content. So, uh, so yeah, I've been, cool. I've I will be going back listener. there. Yeah. Since they've changed back. So <laughs> very nice. Let's see if we can. Oh, and that contest is kind of cool. I'm uh, kind of looking forward to seeing what comes of that as well. Yeah. It's great for the Ute and we're all about Utes here. So we just want to make sure that we. Uh, Utes are the, the future. Message. <laughs> if there happens to be any Utes or there's Utes in your home that uh, <laughs> like to code, this is an opportunity for them to wear, win a shiny new System76 Thelio, which is awesome. Yeah, the biggest detractor for our Utes is the lack of opposable thumbs. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get them, Dallas. Get them. <laughs> anyway, let's see if we can bring Cheryl in here to read one of these shorter stories because I'm sure she's just over there putzing around on Facebook anyway. So, I do not have Facebook open. That is a shock. I know. (laughs) Whatever. All right. So do you know where we are? Yes, I do. All right. Fantastic. Well, if you would like, you can please cover this next story. All righty then. Our next story is Docker is updating and extending our product subscriptions. Docker is used by millions of developers to build, share, and run any app anywhere. And 55% of professional developers use Docker every day at work. In these work environments, the increase in outside attacks on software supply chains is accelerating developer demand for Docker's trusted content, including Docker official images and Docker verified publishing, publisher images, excuse me. Finally, the rapid growth, excuse me, wow. Finally, the rapid global growth in developers to an estimated 45 million by 2030 pushes us to scale sustainably so we may continue to provide the an innovative, free Docker experience that developers love. To meet these challenges, today we're announcing updates and extensions to our product subscriptions, personal, pro, team, and business. These updated product subscriptions provide the productivity and collaboration developers rely on with the scale, security, and trusted content businesses require, and do so in a manner sustainable for Docker. And this information came from the Docker blog. And probably your email account if you've ever had a Docker Hub account, <laughs> which I have like several emails that, that came in from Docker saying this. 
And uh, basically, I mean, this could be a TLDR as well. Docker needs more money. So in order to sustain that, <laughs> they need to increase and lower the barrier to their subscription requirements. And that's basically what this has done. So if you're a small business and you're growing bigger, you need to be careful and look at the numbers and make sure that you are not into that first tier where you need to have your developers have to pay for Docker desktop and stuff like that. So, um, and why is it an open source? Well, because Docker technically is founded in open source and is an open source product. And even when they went to Moby as the base for it, I believe it still is mostly open source. <laughs> but, okay. uh, you know, this is not, you know, not just in Docker because we all love Docker and almost everybody I know uses it in the industry. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much. So now a lot of those bigger players that have been using Docker rampantly uh, are now going to have to start uh, paying for uh, all their developers to have, you know, Docker desktop and connected to Docker Hub and stuff like that. So anyway, yeah, revenue. This is how you make money in open source. Just start uh, rolling back your support levels to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, places been, where you can get people to pay all the time. Been fighting with that with the internet. What is what is the ISC Internet Software Consortium? Is that what ISC is? ISC.org. Like Let me look it up just so I'm not getting this wrong because I'm about to diss them. No, we're all about <laughs> facts here. We want to make sure we got the facts and we're showing you the facts, right? <laughs> internet Systems Consortium. Ah, so, there we go. So the Internet Systems Consortium is the organization that put out bind the name server dns oh yeah bind. bind yeah and they also are the ones who are responsible for isc dhcp and also isc kia which is a newer version of isc dhcp and um yeah <laughs> <laughs> they they give their software away you know in the true open source fashion it is open source but then they have add-on libraries, which are I think, technically open source, but they're not accessible unless you pay for them, and they're not cheap. And if you want any kind of support, then it starts at five digits. Oh, geez, that's pretty steep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's for yeah. anyone. They don't they don't tier it for individuals, organizations, you know, government agencies or anything like that. It's it starts at five figures if you want help. So. <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway there's that so moving on uh i'll just hit this one real quick i'm uh, sure bill will embellish but uh super tux cart 1.3 the rc is out after a year here's the latest release of the 1x series let's check out some of the new features um a homebrew port i.e it'll run on mac is that what i'm reading on that or what's switch, switch? Switch, the uh, Nintendo Switch. Oh, it runs on the NS Switch. Uh, I see, or NS. Yeah, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, yeah, Nintendo Switch, yeah. Okay. There are new arenas and new carts and gooey, gooey improvements. We like it's gooey much gooier. It's gooey, gooey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, to, it's, it's, so, it's so much gooier than it was before. So, all right, very good. Yeah, so have some fun with Super Tux Cart, which is a fun game. So um, that's basically, I just put it in there because it was fun, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, that sounds like news. <laughs> <laughs> we're all about having some fun it's news to, news for somebody sure um like those people who own nintendo switches which we are not of that group so but you can run it on linux well yes of course you can but yeah 
So homebrew for that. Switch, is that the same idea as homebrew yeah. for Mac? It's a, I believe so, yes. Okay. Because I have not I so so switch so switches run Linux? Um sort of. Yes, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Kinda, sorta, yeah. Oh, they're hackable. That's the thing. The, the, the switches have been hackable for quite a while and yeah, quite a community wrapped around that that little device. In fact, I know several people that got it just, you know, recently because like, oh, well, you know, I want to be able to do this and that and this and that now. So, you know, it's uh it's it's definitely a good platform and it's 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 sold lots and lots of units. <laughs> lots <right>. of units. <laughs> yeah, I knew when it first came out people were, you know, sort of of the Apple iPhone mindset. They were all over it. So, all right. So moving on, let's hit Linux in the ham shack. We do have a couple of things Woo-hoo! to discuss in here. And uh, Bill has uh, put in a skeleton of some notes, which means he's going to expound verily and uh, at length on something. So what do we got going in Linux in the ham shack? Alrighty. So, yes, I, as we were talking the last time about the video series that I haven't done, I have the first two episodes done. I just have to, to edit them down to uh, size and fast forward all the, the boring parts. Um, but I did, I did get experience some, some different things here. I was taking my Mac mini, which I just basically blew up anyway. Um, uh, in the last couple episodes, I think I talked about, it. I put, uh, I put, um, um, elementary OS Odin six on there and, you know, I kind of played with it and I, I, I liked it, but then I, I started to not, not like it. I don't know. It's <laughs> just, just something about it. It just, it didn't feel capable enough. And I really wanted to try to get do some more different things. And Ubuntu in general, you kind of run into roadblocks. I don't know. That's just my opinion. At some point when you start hacking away at it, it, it gets a little cumbersome to deal with it. And so I was like, oh, you know, I really like that Garuda Linux. It looks so sexy. I, I want to put it on the Mac. So here I go. I start recording my intro, blah, 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 showing off the Odin install. And... uh uh, go to reboot the Mac and the, and of course I'm recording the video of the Mac rebooting and stuff like that and going into the bootloader and selecting the, uh, the, the, the USB stick with Garuda on there. I get the, the grub loader and select, uh, the non NVIDIA build because I have some NVIDIA builds for these, uh, arch distros now. And, um, it just hangs. It hangs on launching whatever 239.3.1 system arch system or something like that and uh yeah it goes absolutely nowhere <laughs> i sit and i wait and i wait and i wait and uh so in the meantime while i'm waiting i'm googling and i'm like oh well there seems to be some problems with the uh um the newer kernel on some old hardware and i'm on of course the 2011 mid mid 2011 mac so it's you know it's ten years old and uh, not not a spring chick anymore. It's a it's a uh, what a, a Intel second version second generation uh, uh, i5 in it, um, which is plenty fine for doing you know ham radio stuff. You know that's all you need. Well, I tried and tried and tried, and then I thought I corrupted. I thought I had a bad thumb drive, and I switched out to two different other thumb drives and same problem. And I'm like, ah, okay, fine. And then I was like, oh, Endeavor OS. That's uh, that's the Antergos uh, replacement. And it kind of looks almost sexy. So I was like, oh, I'll try that. That actually booted up to the live distro. Um, and I did the install. And then when I went to reboot, it bombed. <laughs> same thing, same problem, just stuck. 
stuck right there. And on that one, they actually gave you the option to uh, install the long-term support kernel as well with the, uh, the regular, you know, the, the advanced kernel that they ship it with. Uh, so I tried booting with the LTS kernel, same, same thing. It just kind of just sat and was a very, very sad Mac. So if it could switch to that sad Mac screen, it was the sad Mac. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this thing? I don't want to do another video with Ubuntu on it. It just seems disingenuous. <laughs> so, so guess what I put on there? Just guess. Uh, Fedora. Fedora. Yes, I did. So I put Fedora 34 <laughs> on there. So the video will start with uh, Fedora 34. The first video includes just installing the system and setting up the user account and some of the base stuff that you need installed, like, you know, just build utilities like we were talking about in our how to set up your build environments and stuff like that. Uh, so that'll be the first video. The second video will be installing software, uh, both using the software center and uh, going back to command line to install um, individual packages out of DNF that didn't you can't see in the software center because not everything is visible in the software center that's out in the repos. Um, and uh, I was recording the third episode today where I was showing where I brought back in my backups and software is working. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to, you know, set up a piece of software I haven't used and I don't have a pre-configuration for, which was QSS TV. And, uh, oh, guess what? Uh, audio devices. <laughs> can't see them from QSS TV, or at least I can't access them properly. Uh, I was able to access the transmit, but I could to the receive, uh, which of course is probably related to the wire shim or pipe wire base that shims everything else to it. So, uh, so yeah, I kind of stopped the video midway there and decided that I'm probably going to do the uh, pulse audio swap back. And, uh, and continue from there. So episode three will probably have swapping uh, pipe wire back out for uh, pulse audio so it can play more normal. And, uh, and then we'll just keep on going from there. I have some, uh, I think the fourth, fourth episode I'm planning on doing uh, uh, manual builds of uh, dude star um, SDR angel and uh, one other piece of software. I can't recall offhand. And uh, yeah, so when will they be available? I, like I said, I'm just going to edit the first and second ones. I hope to have those out uh, maybe tomorrow or Saturday uh, if I get around to it. I'm, I'm going to try to record more before I get to the editing part. Um, but yeah, it is it is very much a reality now. And uh, you all have the scoop on which OS it's going to be. It is Fedora 34. And uh, yeah, I think uh, so far it's... Uh, it's looking pretty good. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be out here before uh, this episode technically lands. So you'll it'll be out by the time this episode lands. All right. Very good. I'll, uh, I'll have to check those out. And uh, as far as as far as installing Linux on Macs, I was trying to clean up my office in here and was digging around in my closet and found that the 20 inch iMac that I had on my desk a while back was kind of shoved in the corner. And I brought it out, and I was like, eh, well, I mean, this is an early 2008 20-inch uh, integrated iMac, so it's uh, getting pretty long in the tooth. It'll only run up to uh, OS X El Capitan, so it's, uh, yeah, it's getting aged. So I went to try and install Linux on it, and I've been having a whole bunch of trouble with it. I tried using the, the Mac itself to generate the boot disk using Bolina Etcher, and that's not seeming to work. I've tried a few different versions of Ubuntu. Um, 
I think uh, I was going to try like Zubuntu or something like that, or I don't know, trying to figure out what else. Um, but I am not having, I'm going to try uh, creating the, the USB boot disk on something other than the Mac just to see if I can get it. But I can't, I couldn't find any information like in my cursory searches to find out if early 2008 is one of those ones that requires a firmware update as well in order to boot properly. I don't think so because uh, the boot stick was sort of recognized as an EFI boot device, but it wouldn't boot. I have not had any luck trying to get Linux onto this thing. Maybe you need to find a, got to find one that's not UFDI probably with a standard bootloader. Yeah, maybe so. I might up to date. Get like 1604. Like uh, what processor does that have in it? Core 2 Duo with uh, ATI Radeon video. That's going to be a fun one to uh, get going. So anyway, yeah, if anybody has any ideas or where I need to go look and and help with this uh, early 2008 20-inch iMac, uh, please uh, get in touch with me. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be doing plenty more research myself on it, but, you know, if somebody has the the magic juice, just let me know where to find it. (laughs) So, and that's all I really had. So lots of information about running Linux on Macs. Yay. And uh, great that we have a new upcoming series from Bill about installing Fedora 34 on your computer. So that uh, should be good and uh, great new content for the YouTube channel. So make sure to check that out. It's not just, uh, you know, episode downloads. Uh, there, There's definitely other stuff to be had there. And with that, I guess we're down to the end of our story. So we'll go ahead and roll into the social media roundup. We'll bring Cheryl here to uh, let us know who's joined us on our social media platforms and as supporters of the program. Alrighty then. So we're going to start out our list with our Patreons. And on that list, we have Bryce Johnston, David Scarf, David Slaughter, Jim Lawson, Patrick Eng, Douglas Schock, Eric Guth, Brandon Rosek, John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Rudder, David Jagway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erna Costala, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions, we have Paul Mooney, Chris DeLuca, Andy Cowley, Eric Muller, Carl Backus, Isaac Gear, Thomas Foy, Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Pewter, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Angle, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. We had no new people on Facebook this week. And Twitter, we had at Goldberg underscore Craig, at Magic Cactus, and at KV5SIX. For YouTube, we had Nate's Random Videos. On Discord, we had Gary, AE1TG. We had Debend. We had 3340. We had N5SDR. No one joined us on the mailing list, and there were no merchandise sales. All right. Well, that brings us down to the actual end of the program. Thanks, everybody who joined us on our social media platforms or who has subscribed to the program. I I did a cursory look through my email tonight, and I did not see any new subscriptions or anything like that tonight. So if I somehow missed one, don't worry. You'll be on the list for the next time around for sure. We don't forget anybody. 
who subscribes to the show, uh, whether it be via PayPal or Patreon, because we appreciate everybody who gives us a little bit of financial support, helps keep the lights on, keeps all the bits flowing, and keeps all the information coming from us to you. And thank you very much. And we hope that if you have any feedback for the show, positive or negative, or just anything else to contribute that you will, info at lhspodcast.info is the place to send all that information. We read everything we get, and uh, we want to hear from you. So if you have something to say, please go ahead and say it. We also have that phone number, 909-547-7469, and uh, we'll take voicemails there as well, too. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. We appreciate you, and we hope you will stick around and join us for the next one, which, you know, with any luck, will be a deep dive episode. So <laughs> we're, we're truly working on it. We've got, there's, there's lots of stuff we want to cover. It's just a matter of getting life together, not being sick together, and uh, everything else that's sort of conspired to keep deep dives from happening lately. But anyway, stay tuned. There's more good stuff coming for sure. And thank you for being here and listening to this episode, number 427 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. Let's get the chat room before we run away. Oh, okay. Bill, get the chat room. Yeah. So, uh, you don't want to forget to mention those who joined us in the chat room. We have Tony, K4XSS, Dan, KB6NU, Don, KC9ZMY, and Bike Me. There you go, Bike Me. We got you. <laughs> and there's probably other ones listening. I know Darren normally listens, but we, uh, we have the, the Discord bot that, uh, normally runs our live stream is not there. So we don't get all those lurkers, uh, visible to us as much. So <laughs> we're going to work on that for, uh, for the next time around. Yep. Absolutely. That's a situation that is unfortunately out of our control, but we are going to have something in place for next time around. Absolutely. But, uh, okay. Now, now I'll go ahead and roll out. This has been episode number 427 of Linux and the Hamtech. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. 
email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Mm-hmm.